0: child of God, God. have in my hand, my hand. Powerful, word of God. powerful word of God can change lives, change lives. heal broken hearts, heal broken hearts. Save, man's save man's soul here's our prayer Lord Jesus today, Lord Jesus, today. speak to me speak to in Jesus name, Jesus name. Amen. Amen. amen turn to your neighbor and say facts ma'am just the facts Who who made that famous? Who made that statement famous? Dragnet, Joe Friday.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Before your time, okay. Showing my age, that's right. Doesn't take much. Uh, I wanna thank you in advance for letting me sit down today. I'm having some real issues with my legs. My doctor changed uh, my medicine. Uh, for my blood pressure, and he said, the blood pressure will get better, he said, but I'm, you may have swelling in your legs, I said, I'll take the high blood pressure, <laughs> but anyway, I'm I'm struggling with the swelling that we were trying to get rid of, so anyway, you, you pray for my little old legs, well, they're not little old legs anymore, but you pray for them, glad you're here today, uh, Sunday after Easter, and uh, just just grateful to see all of you. And uh, some faces that we saw last week have come back, and we're grateful to have you here at our church. Uh, today we're going to continue in our series, Conquering the Giants. Today we're going to talk about finances. And uh, again, I just want to thank you so much for being here. The number one giant that most people seem to struggle with is the giant of financial pressure. How can I handle this giant of finances? You know, there's really nothing more scary than having financial difficulty. Nothing keeps a person awake more or is unsettling more. Nothing robs us of the past uh, and robs us of the hope for the future like financial pressures. Would you say amen? amen? You may be surprised to know that the Bible has a lot to say about finances. In fact, the Bible over and over gives us very practical wisdom about our finances. Most people ignore what the Bible says. In fact, one of the reasons that we're in so many Uh, problems with our finances is because we ignore what the Bible says, but let me give you some examples. For example, the Wall Street Journal, uh, and maybe you saw this article recently, it reported that 7 out of 10 Americans are in debt. 7 out of 10. The average American with credit card debt has $17,000 in credit card debt alone. Uh, Now, I know some of you are way above that average. (laughs) I'm just teasing. I'm I'm just kidding you there. I also read uh, in the same article, uh, for the first time, student loans and financial aid exceeds credit card debt. People are graduating college or graduating from graduate school with all kinds of debt. More and more people are facing housing foreclosures. Uh, Now they're proposing to lend money to those that really can't repay it but, boy, we need to start lending money to them. <laughs> Only the government would think about something like that. The New York Times also reported that 5 million Americans are now out of work for more than six months. Unemployment continues to be an issue. Sometimes as, the, as that number goes down, it just, it's just simply because so many people have given up looking. <laughs> Gasoline prices still on the rise. I love it when they trickle down a penny, a penny, a penny, a penny, and jump up twenty cents. A penny, a penny, a penny, a penny, twenty cents. Yeah, yeah. Like we're we're really do- oh, wow, man. We got a deal. Okay. The American family is now spending fifteen hundred dollars more per year, simply on gas and food because of the prices of fuel. All of that compounds and creates tremendous financial stress and financial problems. Fifty-four percent of marriages end in divorce because of money, because of money. If you're married, you know the arguments. The arguments are, are we saving enough? Are we planning enough? How how are we doing with our finances? Arguments over what, what to spend, what to save, what to do. Of course, we always have the beloved casinos here in Oklahoma that you can go and take just a small amount of money and invest there and walk out with millions and millions of dollars at our casinos here in Oklahoma. Most of the casinos are, re- are remodeling or rebuilding or getting bigger all the time. The last time I looked, they're not in the, in the business of giving money out. <laughs> they take in a whole lot more, and it seems like they smile more all the time when people walk in, but you know what? We're dealing with a lot people today are dealing with a lot. 17% of the people say that they're satisfied with their finances, but if we flip that, 83% say they're dissatisfied. But if you put it all together, it paints a pretty bleak picture. That's what we're dealing with. Maybe there was a time five years ago, 10 years ago, where you could ignore your finances and just hope the economy was going to carry you along. Folks, that day's long gone. When our government is 17 trillion dollars in debt, that's, that's a lot of zeros after 17. And again, they're the only entity, the government seems to be the only entity that can print money and just, okay. I love it when our president recently said, oh, 17 trillion, he said, that's, that's very manageable. It's <laughs> going, yeah, for somebody that maybe doesn't know how to pay the bills, I, I'm not sure. But I, I get to pay the bills at our house. That's one of the jobs that I have. And so I try to guard my little wife so she doesn't go into to have a stroke uh, when we're trying to get it all covered. I use the Eureka system. If we have the money, I yell, Eureka, <laughs> we can pay that bill. No, <laughs> I'm teasing. Many people end up on the path of debt because they ignore God's plan for their finances. And I want you to know it doesn't have to be you. Your marriages do not have to end in divorce because of money. You do not have to constantly lose sleep because of your finances. You don't have to live with the uncertainty about the future. I want you to know there is a better way to live and that way is God's way. And I want you to know today that you are, and if you're open to considering what the Bible says regarding money. That I've got some great answers for you now if you're not open you won't get much but I hope you're open today because the Bible is an eternal book and has a lot to say about finances and what I've done is that I've gone through the Bible and I've put together five key principles that the Bible says about finances and I want to teach them to you today first of all I've got to uh, I've got to know that you're open So I'm going to ask you a question, are you open to considering God's way? Are you willing to abandon this other way, this bad way, this world's way, if you will, and pursue God's will? Are you willing to pray like David prayed in Psalm 25? Uh, Right there on the front of your uh, bulletin notes, Proverbs 25, 45, it's really a prayer. Uh, but, uh, David, a man called after God's own heart and he did that for one reason because he, he wanted to pursue God's plan, but let's read that verse together. Ready? Show me the right path, O Lord, point out the road for me to follow. Now, twice as loud as that, lead me by your truth and teach me for you are the God who saves me all day long. I put, Hey, that sounds great. Isn't that a great promise? Great promise. So as you turn over in your notes, uh, I'm going to give you five biblical principles for conquering the giant of finances. These principles are all found in God's Word, and as we get into these principles, I'll try to make a few observations for you, but first of all, I want you to know that God never promises you that you're going to be rich. He never promises you that. However, if you are rich, it doesn't mean that God hasn't blessed you, and it doesn't mean that God won't bless you. In fact, sometimes when we talk about finances, we only look at the part of the scripture that talks to rich people, or we only look at the part of the scripture that talks to those who are struggling. I thought it was interesting in Jeff's choice of devotion today related to our offering time. See, the widow put in the two pieces, the two coins that she had, all she had. She put it in. and People before her were putting in large amounts of coins to try to impress the religious leaders of the day and try to impress God, but God, He doesn't make a promise either way, wealth or no wealth. He never promises that you're going to be rich or anything like that. He says, if you will follow my financial principles, I will lower your stress and that giant of finances won't seem nearly as big. Now. I've I've kind of added those words that God said that, but you got the idea. Because if we follow God's plan for our life, our stress level will go down, our faith in Him will go up. So many people live on the edge financially. They live on that edge. Whether you make a lot or whether you make a little or whatever it is, living on the edge is a very scary place to live. It causes people to do some crazy, crazy things. We've experienced that in our church, as a church. It causes people to do some incredibly st- crazy things. I'm going to say stupid things. You're right. But the bottom line is this. God loves us. And we can't ignore these principles that we're going to talk about because God removes his blessings from our lives if we don't listen to him. This country at one time had the blessing of God all over it because it was a country that believed in him and to the most part was obedient to him. Well, the more we walk away, why don't we learn from the children of Israel? The more you walk away, the less fun it's going to be. And so we're seeing it time and time again. There's going to come a time, folks. Get ready. It's mounting on the horizon. You ought to be able to see it if you got spiritualized that we're going to be persecuted in a strong way as Christians. So get ready. Get ready. Uh, there may be a time when it's going to be difficult for us to meet in a place like this openly like we are. So you're going to have to be ready for that. I'm giving you a heads up, <laughs> but you know what? He's been telling us that for centuries. He's been telling us that in His Word for a long time, that if you're going to follow God, you're going to pay a price for it. Now some of you can say, well, man, I'm out of here, I don't want anything to do with that. Oh, don't run so quick. <laughs> don't run so quick, because we'll be together and there's going to be great blessings flow. And one of the reasons that so many people have been in trouble during the most recent financial recessions because they've been living without God's blessing. Terrible place to live. To live without God's blessing in any area of your life is a problem, but to live without God's blessing on your relational life, to live without God's blessing on your physical life, to live, live without God's blessing on your spiritual life is a problem. But if you live without God's blessing on your financial life, you're in real trouble. Real trouble. Because if you don't follow God's principles, then you don't receive God's blessing. Imagine what it would be like if you were blessed by God when it comes to your finances. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what it would, be lo- it would look like to be able to conquer the giant of finances living within your means? No longer going deeper in debt, no more late night worries, no more dread about answering the phone call thinking it might be the creditors, no more fear about going to the mailbox because you don't know what's going to come out of there other than bills. No arguments with yourself or your spouse about money. It's possible, it is possible if you choose to follow God's financial plan. So here we go. Principle number one, the principle of accounting. What's it a principle of? It means to keep good records. To keep good records. Every once in a while I hear somebody say this about money. They'll say, I just don't know where it all goes. (laughs) You ever said that? That's a giant warning light. It's a warning light that this giant of finances is about to eat your lunch, step over you, keep on walking, and stomp on you. I had a roommate in college that his checking account was low. So he went to the bank he went up to the teller and he said, and she said, sir, can I help you? He said, yes, ma'am. I believe someone has joined my account. And she began to look and she says, well, sir, I don't under, I don't see any thing that looks out of the ordinary. He said, no, you don't understand. I used to have more money than I had a week ago. Somebody's joined my account. And she said, sir, I don't see any evidence of that. He said, no, you don't understand. Somebody's joined my account and been drawn out. And she said, "I want my." He said, "I want my money back." I thought she was going to kill him before he got out of there. Matt, Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-three says about riches that it can disappear. How? It can disappear fast. How many of you understand that one? Goes. We need to watch our business closely. We need to keep good records. If there's anything that our church and our leadership in this church have learned, is that we're going to keep a better eye and closer records on what's going on. It's just that simple. We we have an atmosphere of trust in our church. Don't ever want to lose that. But we also want to be able to trust with verification. The bank does it to us all the time. I walked, into the, I walked into Chase Bank, where I bank, and they had taken out this huge loan during the stimulus, or got stimulus money. I went in and asked for just a, a tiny bit of it, and they laughed at me. I said, "But I need it in order to regain my momentum so that I can get out of this thing." And they still laughed more. I mean, I just couldn't understand why they, they got it but I, Why did not they give it away. But, hmm keeping good records, know the state of your flocks and your herds. Remember when the Bible was written, even though it's an eternal book, even though the principles still apply, today when it was written in the book of Proverbs, most people had their finances wrapped up in agriculture. They owned their land, they owned sheep, they owned goats, that's what they had to, to, to use their money for. So the Bible says, know the state of your flocks and herds. I think if God has, was writing us today, he would say, know the state of your flocks. Instead, of he'd probably say, well, know the state of your stocks. <laughs> but nevertheless, you've got to know where you are, what's your condition, what are your assets. Proverbs 23, 23 says, get the facts at any price. So once again, turn to your neighbor and say, get the facts, just the facts, man, just the facts. What facts do you need to get? Well, let me give you four of them. They're not in your notes, but you can write them down if you would. Number one is get the fact about how much do you own. You've got to know how much you have. What are your possessions? What's your net worth? Sometimes we call it net worth. How much do I own? Then you have to, number two, how much do you owe? How much do I owe on my mortgage? How much do I owe to the credit card companies? How much do I owe on financial aid? What are my debts? What are my liabilities? Then you have to know how much do you earn? Number three, the third thing you need to know is how much you earn. How much money is coming into my life? How much do I own? How much do I owe? How much do I earn? And then lastly, how much do I spend? Let me ask you this. Do you have time to worry about your finances? Because if you have time to worry about your finances, you have time to practice the principle of accounting. There are all kinds of tools that'll help you. There's online tools, software tools, apps for your phone, all kinds of stuff. But the Bible says, riches disappear fast. Know the condition of your stocks and flocks, know your financial being, get the facts. So number one in your outline, keep good records. Number two is the principle of budgeting. And that simply means I plan my spending. I plan my spending. I tell my money where it's going to go instead of wondering where it went. Imagine that. It's a good place to live. Everybody wants to have enough, but everybody's not sure what enough is. How much is enough? Well, we have to put it together in a budget. A budget? Why do I need a budget? Once again, there's only one entity I know that operates this way. It's the government. They operate, they they pass a budget that lets them increase money. That they don't have. I don't get it. I don't get it. Because it doesn't work for me. I've called the credit card company and said, "I look, I, I know I have this much balance outstanding, but you know, honestly, there's no reason for me to have that. So if you'll just go ahead and take care of that, I'll go ahead and spend some more, and everything's going to look good. All I get on the other end is this. Click. <laughs> Three types of goals. There are spending goals. Here's what I'm going to be spending on food, clothing, housing. Then there's saving goals. Here's what I'm going to save for the immediate future. Here's what I'm saving for long term. Then there are giving goals. Here's what I'm, I'm going to give. Sometimes it's better to set those goals than to think of it as a budget. However, you think about it, you've got to be clear. Maybe there was a time back in the dot-com boom of the 90s where you could just go along and everything was going to be okay because everything was up. Maybe in the past it was true, but it's not true anymore. You can't live the rest of 2013 like you lived 2012 and 2011. You're going to be in a major crisis if you do. You're going to be in a major problem. The Bible says in Proverbs 21.5, and let's read that verse out aloud. Ready? Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Now, this verse gives us a double warning. Look at the last part of that verse. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. You can plan your spending. You don't don't fall into impulse buying because that's where we get in trouble is we spend too quickly. We see a car. Uh, Jeff and I were talking at breakfast this morning. trying to find a truck for Jace. And he said, I I just want to spend a few thousand dollars. Well, good luck. This guy had a a sweet deal for him. It's a pickup truck. It had 200 and plus thousand miles on it, and he still wanted $10,000 for it. He's lost his mind, hasn't he? He said, oh, but man, it runs great. Oh, really? Well, you push it downhill and run beside it? Is that what (laughs) happened? But you know, sometimes we spend too quickly, don't we? I know I do. At Easter time, it's bad for me. Holidays are bad for me. Because I'll go to a store and I end up on the candy aisle. I don't know why that happens to me. I could be, that candy aisle could be in the very back of the store and somehow I'd be on that aisle. But I have noticed that during holidays that they move that aisle and it's really up close to the front door. And I find myself standing in the middle of the aisle smelling just smelling I know better than to be there I know that if I if I'm not careful I will purchase a lot of stuff I don't need but there's that smell and then I say to myself "Oh, just a little taste see we bite you quickly We see something, instead of planning for it, we scrap it. Now, God doesn't have anything against nice things. He wants you to have nice vacations. He wants you to drive a nice car. I mean, he he does, but you need to plan for it. Young people today think they ought to be driving the cars and living in the homes that their parents are living in or their grandparents are living in. Why? What'd you do to get it? Well, I just showed up and I'm handsome. (laughs) Yeah, well, handsome, yes, you are. Isn't it it amazing? It's amazing. Plan carefully, and you will have plenty. That's what the beginning of that verse says. But I want to tell you something. If you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this. Financial freedom, financial peace, financial security, slaying the giant of finances, whatever you want to call it, is not based on how much you earn. It's based on how much you spend. I know people who make a lot of money. But they are neck deep in debt because they're always spending more than they make. And as long as you're spending more than you make, you're always going to be in trouble. Who's more secure? The person that makes a million dollars a year and spends 1.1 million? Or the person who makes $50,000 a year and spends $49,000? It's not about how much you make. I mean, I hear people all the time, well, if I just made more, then I'd be better off. The truth is that your income matches your outflow, or should. (laughs) We buy more than we have, and we keep going deeper, deeper in debt. You've just got to get that under control. Freedom is not, if I just made more, I'll be financially free. Freedom is not making more. Freedom is spending what you make. It's spending less than what you make. It's really the beginning principle of budgeting. Finances have to do a lot with spirituality. We get to that in a moment, but look at Proverbs 21 and verse 20, where it says, and it uses a word that you don't, ever, you don't very often see in the Bible, if everywhere, it starts out, what's the first word in that verse? Can you believe that God would call us stupid? That's what it says, isn't it? Stupid people spend their money on what? As fast as they get it. Now before you turn that page, let me tell you, how do you spell relief when it comes to this area? Budget. That's how you spell relief, is budget. The principle of accounting, keep good records. The principle of spending, plan plan my spending. The principle of budgeting. And across the page number three, save for my future. That principle of saving. Save for my future. The Bible's not down on saving i hear people say well you're being presumptuous if you save you should just trust god well if the way god wants you to trust him is learning how to save i think it's a biblical principle it's very wise proverbs twenty-one twenty it says the wise man or woman does what save. saves for the future that's opposite from our stupid statement <laughs> So don't be a stupid person, be a wise person. The Japanese family averages, uh, excuse me, saves 25% of their income. They put it in the bank. The average European family saves 18% of, of their income. I saw this in an article recently. But the average American saves only 5% of their income. So if you want to learn how to save, you need to move to Japan. <laughs> well, probably not. Proverbs 13, 11 says, money that comes easily disappears how? Quickly. It's God's verse at the anti-get-rich-quick scheme of the Bible. That's the verse. You've heard it. You've heard preachers talk about it. You invest this, and you get this. You get this, and you get tenfold this. You get that, you get tenfold of this. Every, next time a, a ministry calls you and wants you to donate to their ministry, do this principle. Say, hey, do you believe, ask them, say, do you believe in the principle of seed faith? Oh, yes, absolutely. That's why we're calling you. Great. Well, then I need you to seed faith $1,000 into my ministry. And God's going to bless you tenfold. The person on the other end is going to call you a lunatic and hang up. And yet they've asked you to do the same thing. I'm telling you, throw it back at them. Let's see. Because ultimately, if God's going to bless, they say God will bless you 10 times if you, if you give to this ministry. Well, then you give to my ministry at my church from your ministry, God's going to bless you 10 times. In fact, why don't you just give us a million dollars and look what he's going to do to you. Based on that philosophy now, right? The <laughs> Bible says to look to God but money that is gathered little by little will grow. Albert Einstein said one time that compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe. It really doesn't matter where you start, 550, 500, 5,000, doesn't matter. Get started. One of my favorite authors and, and books on resources, Dave Ramsey, and I, I love this book. If you've never, ever, ever read a book about finances, here it is right here it's called the total money makeover right here i have five copies of this i want to invest in five of you i'm buying this book for you if you want now if you're not serious you don't get this book but i'm going to have them at the back door and if you're leaving today and you say preacher i'd like to have a copy of that book First five, first come, first serve. <laughs> but seriously, don't take it if you're just going to look, at, set it at home and go, Boy, that's a good-looking book on my shelf, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> I want you. I'm going to invest in you. Invest in you. I got five of these. Okay? So you, you be praying about that as we finish this morning. And if God's really putting that on your heart to do, then you come on. Because this book will help you, especially in the first three principles that I've talked about, it'll help you. Dave says that that we ought to save $1,000. He says the first thing we ought to do is give to God, then we need to save $1,000. And six months on down the line, I I just encourage you to pick up this book, pick up a copy of this book. You can order it on Amazon. I think it's like $19 on Amazon. But I want to give away five copies. And if you're serious about making some changes financially, you see me at the back door. Keep good records, principle of accounting, plan my spending, the principle of budgeting, save for my future, the principle of savings. And then number four, and to me it's the keystone principle, it's the principle of tithing. Getting God on your side, it means number four, to return 10%. To God. That's what tithing means. Return 10% to God. 10% of all that I make goes to God. That's the principle of tithing. Somebody asked Billy Graham, does God bless on the net or the gross? He said, do you want a blessing on the net or the gross? There's one thing I've learned after 35 years in ministry is that many people, they're familiar with the word tithe, but they have no idea what it means. So let me see if I can help you this morning. I've talked to people and what they tell me about the tithe couldn't be further from what the Bible says the tithe is. One of the most famous passages is in Matthew 3 and verse 10. Now the tithe starts even before the law is ever given. It starts in Genesis. It's, it, it comes through the Old Testament and then at the end of the Old Testament in Malachi 3 we pick up the story. Malachi says, bring to my house, or God really is talking, he says, bring to my house, bring to my storehouse, now in the Old Testament the temple was the storehouse. In the New Testament, it's the church. So God says, give to my church a full tenth of what you earned. Now the word there in the Hebrew is the first tenth. Now that's really important. You see, God doesn't want the second, third, or fourth tenth. He wants the first tenth of what you, what you make, what you earn. You might say, well preacher, I, I don't earn that much. I didn't talk about an amount, did I? <laughs> It's not about the amount, it's about the intent of your heart. God says the first should go to Him. He goes on to say, test me in this. It's the only place in the scripture where we are to test and challenge God. So you're supposed to pull out your pocketbook and you're supposed to give the very first part of of your earnings And test God to see if he won't bless you. He'll bless you. We've had testimonies about that. I could have several of you just stand up right now and you would just start firing away. Because some of you testified and you did it right here at church. When you stopped tithing, your blessings started leaving. Then when you started tithing, they came back. Well, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Test me in this, and I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings that you're going to need. Now, you may not get. If you put $100 in, you may not get $1,000 ten times. That's not the principle. The principle is the blessing of God. And that blessing comes in a lot of different ways. Lots of different ways. So, Talking about the giant of finances, how do we slay that giant? The giant of finances comes to you and tries to rob you of your past, tries to rob you of your present, tries to rob you of your future because in your past you messed up financially. And that giant got the best of you in your past. And then that giant of finances is killing you in your present because you can't sleep, you're worried. And in addition to that, you're worried about the financial stuff in your future. And that's what's so strange about finances. It affects every part of our life, past, present, and future. So what's the antidote? God's antidote for tithing, uh, excuse me, for debt is tithing. For financial stress is tithing. Because if you give that first 10% to God, it affects your past, it affects your present, and it affects your future. So let me explain it this way. When you give that first 10% to God, and I've often wondered, why did God settle on 10%? I mean, mean, why didn't he do more than that? You earn 10 bucks, you give a dollar, why 10%? And here's what I discovered. Actually, what I discovered is I have no idea why God put 10% on there. But he did. He did. And the Bible says that you, I mean, he could have said 50%, right? He could have said 90%, you live on 10%. But he didn't. He just said 10%. And so when we tithe, we're saying, God, thank you that I had the energy, the life, the breath, the intelligence to earn this money in the past. Tithing affects your past. And then tithing affects your present because here you are and you're saying, God, in in, in my present, you're my priority. That's what you're doing if you give that 10%. It's as if God understood that 10% is enough to give to him to say he's priority in your life. So many, I've had so many people argue with me that tithing is not in the New Testament. It's because they're not reading the same Bible I am. You can't outgive him. He's only asking for, he's asking 10% of 100%. So those of you that make $5 billion a year, (laughs) man, you know, you know that's a large check for you to write. But since most of you don't make $5 million a year, you may make, I don't know what it is, but it seems like a lot when you're writing that check out, doesn't it? And you think, I don't think we'll make it. We've got bills to pay. But you know what I've discovered, and many of you will testify, is that somehow it always gets covered. Somehow it always gets covered. I've got all these principles, you know, in your notes, but let me give you this one that's not written down. The principle of firsts. It's bigger than our principles today, and the principle of firsts says whatever area of my life you want God to bless, whatever area of my life I want God to bless, put him first in that area. Put him first in that area. If you want God to bless your marriage, put him first. You want God to bless your career, put him first. You want God to bless your relationships? Put him first. You want God to bless your finances? Put him first. And the best way to do that is to tithe. Now, we have a very, very generous church. Uh, I, I'd put you up against anybody, anywhere, for per capita giving that you give. You, you are a tremendous people. I'm grateful for you and grateful for your, your willingness to give because we're able to help a lot of people. And we will be, again, able to help a lot of people, and this time be able to do it. But if you don't get anything from the message today, I want you to make sure that you pick up this idea of tithing. Because it's really important. Nelson Searcy is a mentor of mine. I've grown to love Nelson. He wrote a book, a little big book called *The Generosity Ladder*. It's become one of his best-selling books. He's also a pastor of a church. In fact, I'm I'm leaving tomorrow to spend a couple of days with him in an advanced coaching network that I joined uh, last year. It's been a real blessing for me to spend some time with him. Uh, it's a rough place. We have to go to Orlando, Florida, and we're across the street from Disney World. But it's been It's hard because I'd rather go to Disney World than sit and listen to what Nelson's teach me. But it's been a real blessing. Giving 10% to God and living on 90% has brought more financial stability and peace in my life than I could have ever hoped for. And Nelson talks about in that book how that happens and how it can happen. The thing that you need to ask yourself is that would you rather live with God's blessing on 90% or without God's blessing on 100%? Think about it. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on every Lord's day, so in other words, have a systematic approach. You should put aside something for what you've earned during the week. If you didn't earn anything, then you don't have to pay anything. If you did, give that tithe to God. Well, preacher, I'm so extended, I can't give a, I can't give a tithe. Have you tried Or have you just convinced yourself you can't. Now I don't want you to hurt your family. The Bible says you're worse than infidel if you hurt your family. And maybe you are over too far overextending. You can't give much. That's fine. Go with 1%. Go with 2%. Go with 5%. Do something besides sit there and hope it happens. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. Here's the promise. He will fill your barns to overflow. It's exactly the opposite of what's going on in our economy. People are in debt. They're going deeper in debt. And if you want God's blessing, you return 10% to him. In fact, I want to challenge you. That's why I told you to hang on to the connection card. (coughs) Hopefully you filled out the front and the back of the connection card and you've checked the boxes. But I didn't put this down on purpose. I I didn't make it easy on you. I didn't put a box for you to check. I want to give you a book. I am going to send you a book that I want you to read. If you're willing to take a five-month tithe challenge from today to the end of summer, would you be willing to tithe 10%? Maybe you've never done it. Maybe you haven't done it in a while, and you're ready to get back into it. But if you're if you willing to take that five-month challenge, if you would write on the back of your connection card down at the bottom, Tithe Challenge, that's all you need to put on there. If you'll write Tithe Challenge, I wanna send you a book. I'm not gonna tell you what book it is, but it won't be a real long book, but it'll be a book that'll help you with that idea of tithing. So if you're interested, and you'll take that five-month challenge. In other words, you're going you're gonna to give 10% to God for five months. Because I want us to see about the blessing that can come. I want to hear about the blessings that come in your life. But if you'll do that, if you'll write on the bottom of your connection card, Tithe Challenge. And right before we leave today, I'm going to have those taken up. But uh, write that down if, if you don't mind. And you don't, you don't have to write it down. But I want you to take that promise and that challenge that God put in Malachi when he said, test me, test me. If you're a Christian, why not tithe? If you're a non-believer, what do you got to lose? It's an issue of obedience more than anything. So I want to challenge you to think about that. Take that tithe challenge, bring the full tithe to God, Are you man enough to do it? Are you woman enough to do it? No, we're fixing to find out. For the next five months, here's the next five months, no no box of check, you just write on there, Tithe Challenge. And uh, I've got a gift I want to send you. And I promise to do it. Our memory verse is in Luke 12, 34. Some of you may still be writing Tithe Challenge with your hands shaking as as you're doing it. Luke 12, 34 says, For where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So four principles. Principle of accounting, budgeting, saving, tithing. Then there's one more. There on the back of your notes. It's called the principle of Contentment. The principle of contentment means I enjoy what I have. I enjoy what I have. Principle of contentment. And this principle is being violated all over the U.S. by especially uh, but it's especially being violated right here in northeastern Oklahoma. You might say, how so, preacher? Well, there's people striving to get more. And they're so busy, they're missing out on what's really available to them. We have beautiful lakes, beautiful sunrises, beautiful things to do outdoors. And yet we're working, 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 striving, 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 and we're just missing all of that. We keep going deeper, deeper in debt. More really ought to be a four-letter word when it comes to our finances. God says, He wants you to break that pattern because the pattern of more deteriorates relationships, especially your relationship with others, your relationship with God, and all kinds of consequences. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says it is better to be satisfied with what we have than to always be wanting something else. Would you circle that word satisfied? I don't know about you, but even reading that verse lowers my stress level. It's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. Hebrews 13, 5, be content with what you have. Turn to your neighbor, poke them and say, hey, just live on what you have. <laughs> so be content with what you have. The Bible tells us that things will never, ever satisfy. And when you're looking for satisfaction in life, most people think that things will bring it, but they don't. You know that, I know that. Psalm 49 challenges us. It says, don't be dismayed with the wicked who grow rich. Their homes become more splendid, but when they die, they carry nothing with them. Their wealth will not follow them to the grave. Never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul yet in all the funerals I've done. But ultimately, the Bible says financial pressure is a symptom. Financial pressure is a symptom. That giant of finances is not really the giant you're facing. You think it's finances, but it's really not. The real problem is it's out-of-control finances are symptoms of an out-of-control life. If you're not willing to submit to your finances to God, then you're probably not willing to submit the rest of your life to God either. I tell young people all the time who want to be baptized, are you ready to obey your parents? Well, You see, because if you can't obey your parents, then you sure can't obey God. Because they were put in your life to be the God for you right now. So If you can't submit to them, you're in trouble with God. A lot of us have made Jesus the CEO, the chief, what's CEO? Chief Executive Officer. He's the boss. But we haven't made him the CFO, Chief Financial Officer. <laughs> we keep thinking we can run it. But today I want us to pray for those of you that are struggling financially and uh, perhaps you're, you're willing to say God I'm willing to go your way God I'm willing to keep good records and plan my spending save for my future God I'm willing to take the five month tithe challenge why five months return 10% to you God's starting today I'm going to practice that principle of contentment and I'm going to return to you what I should Ecclesiastes 6, nine. it's better to be satisfied with what we have than to always be wanting something else. That'd be a great verse to cut out and tape on the back of your credit cards. <laughs> but here's the thing about God's principles. You can, you can play around with them, or you can make a commitment to them. Today, would you say, God, I don't want this anymore. I'm not going to go this way anymore. God, I'm going to start to live by your principles. If you've never become a Christian, today, say yes to Jesus Christ. In fact, that's the first box I put on your connection card is to check, is that you're interested in becoming a Christian. Because that's, that's the first step for everything. And then our anchor verse, Romans 8.31, last one I put in there for you. It's a great reminder that the giant of finances only looks as big as it, as it does through your eyes. Because in God's eyes, there are no giants. Everything's small compared to him. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Let's bow our heads and pray together. And as we bow our heads, and I want to pray specifically for those of you that are in financial difficulty. Uh, every head bowed and eye closed, if you will. During this time, if you would like special prayer today. Nobody else looking around, just me. Would you slip your hand up so I can see who you are? Okay? Very good. Thank you. You Put them down. Father, you see those hands and you saw who it was. I don't know their individual situations, but you do. And I know that you love them and you care about them and you want to be on their side. God, I know many are here today who are experiencing financial stress and difficulty and so father as they follow your principles i pray that you you would miraculously turn around their finances replace their debt with the light of jesus christ replace their pressure with your peace help them to get a hold on their finances and to stay on your pathway to financial freedom god i pray for a miracle of finances in their lives today I hope that you're praying that prayer. Just pray that prayer in your heart. Perhaps you would say it this way, Father, I want to follow your financial principles for the rest of 2013. Forgive me for spending more than I make. Forgive me for the unwise purchases that I've made. Help me to get on track with your plan. Today I commit myself to your financial principles, and with your help I'm going to start keeping better records. I'm going to learn to plan my spending. With your help, I'm going to save for the future. I'm going to put you first in my finances by returning the tithe back to you. And God, starting right now, today, help me to enjoy what I have. Jesus Christ, I invite you to be the manager of my life. And if you're here today and you've never named Jesus as Savior for the first time, perhaps this would be your prayer. Jesus Christ, I invite you to be the manager of my life. I want you to follow you for the rest of of my life and for the very first time from this day forward Jesus as I follow you I want to trust you not only with my future but also with my finances it's in your name that I pray and in Jesus name and everybody say it amen, amen and amen we're gonna